This is the IDP After Show. League-winning players come from ambiguous situations, and understanding camp battles can really help you decipher which player is going to bring value to your fantasy team. I'm Evan Ronda, the host of the IDP Game Theory Podcast, and my co-host today is the incredibly handsome, very gorgeous, dashingly beautiful, Jake Colagan, contributor for the IDP show and for Reality Sports online. Jake, I'm really excited to get into this episode with you because we're going to be going team by team and we're going to kind of do this draft style because any chance I have to turn a regular discussion into some kind of a competition, I absolutely will. So what we have is we have all 32 teams and we've listed their ambiguous situations, if they have any, that could bring some clarity in their camp reports. Uh, Jake, how, how are we feeling about this setup here? Are we excited? Are we ready to go? This setup is almost as majestic, dapper, and graceful as you are, good sir. So, I mean, I don't think it could be any better. I would say it's almost flawless, just like your smile, sir. So We don't even need to talk. I mean, we can just keep doing this. I mean, this is what the <laughs> listeners signed up for. Right after this week that I've had, I could I could use some more of this. So keep going about the part where I'm great. So, okay, I'll I'll think about it. <laughs> um, all right. So we picked our color so that we know whose team is whose on our prep doc here. And yeah. and listeners, here's the deal: we are not going to go in alphabetical order. We're not going to go Cardinals and Falcons and Ravens, et cetera, et cetera. If you would prefer to read something in that format, I have fantastic news for you. This is going to become an article after we post this episode. So if you'd like to go back and reference this, we're going to be uh, just giving every single team in their alphabetical order with all the players listed, just so you have something to reference, right? Because if you're looking through the waivers, perhaps, or your bench, and you're trying to figure out, you know, which players are guys that could potentially go up or down in value as we get more clarity on their situations, this is a pretty exhaustive list of just every single player who is maybe at risk of losing their job, or gaining another one. So in order to determine who gets to go first, we're going to do another thing that I cannot do, that I cannot avoid, I should say, I cannot avoid on any one of these episodes, is talk about best ball somehow. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick a player at random, and then we're going to see who can guess their best ball ADP the closest. Uh, let's go. Let's go their position rank. Do you think that's a little bit easier? Because I don't like 100, 200, 300. I have, no, I have yeah. no idea where anybody is at. Let's, you just pick a play at random. Just go. Just pick anybody. Uh, Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones. Which linebacker is Ernest Jones? Okay. Would you like to go first or would you like me to? You can go first. Okay. I think Ernest Jones is going as linebacker 23. I'm going to say 28. That's average, right? It's it's average since yes. the beginning. Yeah, 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 okay. I'm going to say 28. All right. Ernest Jones. Let me just search his name. Ernest Jones is going as linebacker 29. Boom. Nice job. That was impressive. We can end the episode right now. All right. Catch you guys next week on... <laughs> 
Where is this player going? Uh, Ernest Jones, great value. Great value in best yeah. ball drafts, by the way. Just in case. Yeah, especially especially early on if people buying that early on, right, with not, not, not certain where you know Bobby Wagner was going to be. Um, but, yeah, holy cow, screaming value. Um, for oh, my God. Yeah. Then. Speaking of comparing where he's at now versus where he used to be at, there is a new feature on the best ball ADP doc called Last Five where you look at the comparison and the difference between uh, a player's average draft position in the last five drafts versus their overall best ball, so you can see where a player's been trending. And Ernest Jones has been drafted 14.8 uh, spots higher within the last five best ball drafts as compared to the overall average, which means recently he's been taken a little bit higher than usual. I like that. How do you get access to this data? Like You talk about this sheet like it's a thing everyone has. How do people have this sheet? Mm, that's a great question. We we should have planned a, a setup here. This is that was that was pretty perfect. Uh, it's it's all in the draft kit. The best ball ADP, Adams, stupidly, insanely, incredibly, basically database rankings are in there. Write ups on every single team. We're going to have rankings in season. So many more things. That's all going to be in the draft kit, which you can get for only five dollars at theidpshow.com. All right, let's get into this, man. This is pretty fun. You get to go first. You get to choose any of the 32 teams. No pressure on picking the best team because we both definitely have not thought about this ahead of time because we definitely didn't just think about this like literally 20 minutes ago. <laughs> right. What uh, is the team you're taking? Well, I'm going to go darn near close to alphabetical order. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. Um, and the main reason is, is I love that they have a lot of ambiguity at kind of at every level. So... At linebacker, they have Troy Anderson, Caden Ellis, and maybe Michael Walker, right? Um, he was the guy last year, but rookie Anderson um, kind of showed out a little bit towards the end, got more run. I uh, think he's getting the green dot early. Caden Ellis, recent signing in free agency here, following some coaching staff. Uh, then you move to edge rusher. You got Lorenzo Carter and Arnold Evichetti. Again, another free agent signing with a second-year player. Um not really sure who's going to be the lead guy. Probably looks like Carter, but got to pay attention. And then here again, we have Richie Grant, um, a guy who kind of came into his own last year. Uh, had a really good IDP year uh, with Jalen Hawkins, but now Jesse Bates joined that. Uh, a veteran, big name, big money signing. So, uh, you know, someone get bumped out. Does Grant go back to the nickel? There's, there's kind of all kinds of things to pay attention to there. And so just as an overall team, I love that there's a, a little bit of ambiguity at every level for me to try and tap into. Yeah, that's a that's a great point to bring up. There is there's a lot of ambiguous, just player name, if you will. A lot of new guys joining, new defensive scheme, like you said. Um, it's kind of funny, right? We're not going in alphabetical order, but my pick is the Arizona Cardinals, who are another A team, because there's also a ton of incredibly ambiguous stuff going on here. Right, We don't know what's really going to happen on the defensive line. They have basically no talent there to begin with. But Maje Sanders, B.J. Ojolari, the rookie they brought in, are they going to be on the edge? Zayvon Collins has been practicing with the edge rushers. Is he going to be on the edge? And if he is on the edge, who, between those former two guys, sees less work? Uh, you know, Cameron Thomas is on the inside. Who else is going to be there? I don't know. And if Zayvon Collins is on the edge, What's the deal? Is Kaiser White going to be the lead middle linebacker? Is their rookie that they brought in, Owen Papoe, going to get work? Is Isaiah Simmons going to be in the nickel? Is he going to be in the slot? Like, is he going to play linebacker again? What the heck is going on here? I don't know, but I'm sure that we'll get some clarity when we start 
evaluating some of these camp reports, and that clarity should boost some players' value and, unfortunately, probably hurt some other players' value. So it'll help you really know when to buy guys and when to sell guys. I feel like there's probably a tier of two, maybe three teams here. So we'll see who your next pick is. I like I keep scrolling through this stock. I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to pick. These are all kind of eh. Uh, but those two teams definitely are two that have a ton of players just poised for incredibly valuable seasons. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And yeah, I, so for me, this one's I'm, I'm biased going this way. Uh, we joked about it, I think, before the show even started. Uh, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, again, a little bit of amb- ambiguity at each level. So you start with the edge rushers. Uh, you know, they have Carl Loftus there from last year. Uh, played great as a rookie, got plenty of snaps. So I think he's a, a lock to um, kind of be that number one edge rusher. Uh, but then you have Charles Amenu who came in, two-year, $20 million contract, I believe, and Felix Anaduke Uzama, uh, first-round draft pick. Um, good pedigree. You know, they're able to get him at the end of the first. So it's really, you know, which one of those two kind of wins out in the camp battle to be the lead one. Um, you know, I think we've talked about them in, in a previous pod, so you, know, you can always check that out, but, uh, but pay attention there. Um, linebacker, we all we all know and love Nick Bolton. He's clearly locked in as the lead guy. Um, but Willie Gay found a way to be very relevant last year as as the LB two there. Even at you know some of those lower snap percentages for an LB two, I think it was kind of in that seventy percentage range. Um, but they brought in Drew Tranquil um, and have Leo Chanel, who is one of your favorite pull up artists. Um, so check out you know Super Bowl parade pull ups if you ever are curious about that. So you know who gets that that number two spot is very interesting and can be very valuable there. Uh, and then the big one for me and, and why I had to take the Chiefs, um, the the slot or that nickel roll um, as far as the defensive backs go. Uh, last year, LeJarius Sneed just obliterated, um, you know, ID, F, 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 FFIDP, so fantasy football for us with what he did um, coming out of the slot and the work that he did uh, in cornerback required leagues or not even, you know, just straight up defensive back. He was amazing. But Trent McDuffie was the guy taking all of the valuable snaps during the valuable time of the season when they were making their playoff run in the Super Bowl uh, push as well, that he was the main guy coming out of the slot and getting all of the high-value looks for us. So, Kansas City Chiefs, Trent McDuffie. Who you got next? Trent McDuffie. Um, yeah, I like it. That's a good call. And it's funny because there's not a lot of players. Like Again, I'm going to talk about the stock again. You can sort by teams on this stock, and you can see the amount of players that have been drafted per team. Kansas City, one of the lower volume teams as far as the number of players that people are actually drafting. But at the same time, there still does seem to be a good amount of value to be taken here. Speaking of a team with a lot of value to be taken here, the Los Angeles Rams. There's really only two, maybe three situations where you could actually get a player way past their ADP or way cheaper than their market value, which is their linebacker two role, and then both of their starting safeties. So as it stands right now, obviously Ernest Jones is locked in as their linebacker one, but Christian Roseboom or Jake Hummel, one of those two guys is going to have to get some volume of snaps at linebacker two, and that's going to score points. Both of those guys are practically free. At safety, Russ Yeast, Quentin Lake to Marcus Davis. One of those guys is probably going to start alongside Jordan Fuller. But I mean, like, these are deep, deep league plays, maybe best ball plays. Mm -hmm. Best ball plays, you say? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some value. 
Uh, but either way, like the, this this roster, PFF just put out an article talking about uh, just the quality of every single team's roster, top to bottom, and they basically were just like, you know, which uh, which teams have the best roster? And the last place team was the Arizona Cardinals, no surprise. Second to last place team, Los Angeles Rams. So I'm not picking quality rosters over here, but there is some opportunity for value because of this ambiguity. Jake, I'm throwing it back to you, man. Your third pick of this draft is. <laughs> well, I'm going with uh, a team I'm actually kind of really excited to watch this year overall just on the football field, and that's the Detroit Lions. Uh, and so, again, they got some you know positions kind of locked in, especially when you look at defensive line, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Clear volume monster, uh, performed well last year. Uh, three interceptions last year. Just crazy to me to think about that, right? The rookie defensive end hauling in three picks. Uh, but, you know, it's it's who's going to be on the other side of that. You know, the John Kaminsky, Josh Paschal, James Houston, um, IDP stud last year in the, during the playoff runs, right? Everyone remembers, I think he had a three-sack performance in week 16 or 17. Um, but, you know, was that enough to lock him in as, you know, the defensive end two there? Um, is he going to get a lot of run? Is he going to get the 60%, 70% snaps? Pascal looked good at times. Who knows, right? Uh, then linebackers, high, high draft capital on Jack Campbell. I mean, the only linebacker taken in the first round this year, uh, but taken all the way up at 18. But Alex Anzalone got a solid three-year deal, you know, with two years pretty much locked in. So who's going to come out LB1 there and be the guy pulling in close to 100% of the snaps? Is the other guy valuable at two? Is he, you know, is he... The two two linebacker situation, they really haven't ran that before. It'll be interesting to see what they do with those two. Um, and then kind of the big one, for at least for me, the safety and slot position, right, between C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Brian Branch, both guys who have shown significant success um, in their previous years out of the slot. But Gardner-Johnson was very good last year in the deep safety role in Philadelphia. Uh, Tracy Walker, um, kind of forgotten about because of the Achilles injury earlier in the year. But, you know, he's got he's under contract for good money still yet this year. Um, and then Kirby Joseph, who showed out um, at the end of last year, too, uh, as, a, as a rookie. So how do you find a way to get all four of these guys on the field at once? If so, who are the ones taking the valuable snaps? A lot to pay attention to um, in that secondary in Detroit. Yeah, and there was some really, really solid production from Deshaun Elliott when he was healthy last season in the box. And so... If you manage to figure out who gets that box safety role in Detroit, that's going to be a guy that's probably starting for you every single week if you're in like a three-plus starting DB league. Um, those guys, yeah, I feel like that's that's some good value. What what do you think in there? I mean, I'm, I'm all in um, on Brian Branch. I think he gets the, the nickel role. So I think Gardner Johnson showed he can be successful and valuable in that two-deep uh, look. And then I think that they try to run more two linebackers. They didn't have a second linebacker the caliber of Jack Campbell last year. So I think that they, they use that more than as a rotational look to bring a safety down. And, you know, it's uh, then it's a battle between Walker and Joseph, who's going to be playing alongside Gardner Johnson deep. That That's my prediction. So um, take it with what you want in terms of how you value that. But we'll see. How dare you spe- speak so negatively about Malcolm Rodriguez? Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, the dream that once was. He's like the slept on Jack Sanborn because both of those guys are like not actually good football players, but people that we love because fantasy. Anyways, yep. uh, a team that doesn't have a bad 
roster. In fact, has one of the best rosters in the league, in my opinion, anyways, the Miami Dolphins. Now, starting positions, for the most part, are pretty much figured out. But I'm really just kind of curious to see how they're going to use these guys and which guys are going to get valuable roles. Because defensive lines with a lot of ability to pressure the quarterback, generally speaking, produce for everyone. And so, yes, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb seem to be the two edge guys poised to get the most snaps. But Zach Seiler and Emmanuel Ogba are going to get work too. And then there's the linebacker position. Jerome Baker, who has kind of played a tweener role between inside linebacker and edge rusher at times, is now joined by the former Titan in David Long. Obviously, Channing Tindall is still there too, but I don't really think he's going to be anything. And then safety. They brought in Deshaun Elliott. And Brandon Jones tore his ACL last season. Who knows when he's going to come back? He's been great when he's been healthy. But I think alongside Javon Holland, somebody's going to get that strong safety role, which should be pretty valuable. And then obviously there's a slot corner role, which was formerly held by Kater Koho. Kohu? Kohau? Who knows? Who cares? But now they drafted a rookie in Cam Smith, who, yes, played outside corner in college, but could play in the slot in the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Jalen Ramsey plays in the slot and Cam Smith plays on the outside. Who knows? Yeah, I, I did hear something. I thought that they're going to try to do more of that star role stuff with Jalen Ramsey again um, that we saw in their, their, their Super Bowl run with the Rams, which, and that's when he was most valuable for uh, IDP too. So I, I hope we see that. But again, that just adds to the ambiguity, right? Like there's not a, there's not a locked in guy there. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, start them every single week so exactly all right i'm on the clock and i gotta say this is where it's starting to get a little dirty um and so this one i only feel half good about this pick but i'm gonna do it anyways uh and that's the cincinnati Bengals. uh when you look at what they have in terms of their edge rushing room you'd think for the most part fairly locked in place uh between sam hubbard and trey hendrickson but we saw Joseph Osai make uh, some noise last year in the playoffs. And then they went ahead and they drafted Miles Murphy in the first round as well. Um, and I think that they're going to be looking to get him involved early, which is going to cause some issues in terms of that rotation because Hubbard and Hendrickson were, especially Hubbard, were really strong volume plays. Um, and I think Murphy's going to do a little bit more than we expect here in year one. Um, but with that, for me, really the big one is the safety room. Uh, Dax Hill... Nick Scott, Jordan Battle is a part of a camp battle. You know, got to get that uh, inception, battleception in place there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Jesse Jesse Bates is gone. Von Bell is gone. I mean, this is wide open here. Um, Dax, you know, the, the second-year guy should have the clear lead on that. Uh, Nick Scott, a veteran guy, but Jordan Battle, you know, uh, highly touted coming out in this class. It, I, I really don't feel good beyond Dax Hill. And even Dax Hill? I'm not really sure where he's going to be because he played a lot of slot in college, uh, but they still have Mike Hilton there. So is he more just relegated to a deep role? Who gets that Von Bell role playing closer to the box more? Um, just kind of kind of a lot of things to figure out with that safety room for sure. Um, and potentially a lot of value, especially in a position where, you know, we don't highly value defensive backs in IDP always. Um, so if you can go and find one of these guys on waiver or get them as a throw-in on a deal, because they're just not sure. Now's the time to do that kind of stuff if you can if you can get that little bit of information edge um, on who's going to take some of those valuable snaps and those valuable alignments. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. 
It's interesting looking through this doc and looking at every single team and which teams have which positions up for grabs. I'm kind of looking at this as like, all right, this team has a linebacker one available. This team has a linebacker two available. This team has a strong safety. This team has a free safety. Um, but I don't think that there's a team that has quite as much potential to create value for fantasy managers, at least remaining, than the Minnesota Vikings. And there's a specific reason why. And that is because, as it stands right now, Daniil Hunter is on the roster. But Dalvin Cook just got cut this morning. We're recording this podcast on the day that Dalvin Cook was released. And so it seems like Daniil Hunter is almost locked to be traded or cut or something. It seems like they're going to let him go. They already let Zadarius Smith go. I mean, th- this this team is committed to... I don't, I don't know... what. Why? Like, why are they? This is another conversation for another time. I still think Daniel Hunter is really, really good at football. But anyways, for whatever reason, they're going to decide to ride with. Uh, uh, oh, Marcus Davenport. I like totally couldn't read because it's orange and I'm blind, apparently. But uh, uh, <laughs> why did I pick this color? They're going <laughs> to ride with Marcus Davenport for some reason. But the question is, who opposite Marcus Davenport is going to get work? So I put out a tweet this morning talking about DJ Wanham making a comeback maybe. Now, he wasn't incredibly efficient when he last saw a significant portion of snaps, but he was productive because he saw so many snaps. So he could return to his former glory as far as getting a lot of work, or potentially it could be Patrick Jones. One of those two guys is probably going to start opposite Marcus Davenport in the event that Daniil Hunter moves. And obviously, it's not, I guess, that obvious, but we also have a safety role available for grabs too alongside Harrison Smith. There is bye bye Bynum, a uh, legendary safety favorite of one Addy, and Lewis Seen, who was drafted in the first round last year, but what broke his freaking ankle in week one? Like what happened to that guy? I don't know if he was gonna start week one as it is because he was playing on special teams, but he could be somebody that takes over a starting role alongside Harrison Smith too. We'll just have to take uh, Gander, what those camp reports look like. I love it. Um, I, I got to ask because I, you said you didn't want to get into it, but I want to anyways. Where do you want Daniel Hunter to go if he's not in the Minnesota? Because I actually agree with you a ton. I think he is still an elite pass rusher. Yeah, I, I guess the question is, like, where does Daniel Hunter want to go or where do I want him to go? Because, like, on one hand, Daniel Hunter probably wants to get a ring. So he's probably going to go to a team that like needs edge help and is a Super Bowl contender. But on the other hand, it's like he's not aged out. He still has a couple productive years left, I'm sure. What's a team that desperately needs defensive line help? So for that second one, like the Cardinals, it makes sense. Like as just an example, like they have literally nobody on the defensive line. They just have a bunch of young guys. Like who better to bring in? as a leader in that locker room, right? You just shipped out DeAndre Hopkins. Who are you going to bring in to be a guy that you want to lead the locker room? That could be a good situation. But that's not going to happen because they don't want to pay money to anybody. So where would I like to see him go as far as, you know, who could he help out the most? I mean, the Chiefs would be a good one because they've always been needing help on the edge. I don't think that's going to happen because that's probably going to cost them a lot of money and they're too busy clearing up space so they can sign DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I know my Saints fans' friends are very excited about him potentially joining their team, so that could be a good fit. Um, 
I haven't put too much thought into this, but, you know, just ask yourself, what teams don't have, I mean, you know, here we go, the Tennessee Titans. Putting him opposite Harold Landry, that could be good. Uh, But, you know, they're not, you know, a contender per se. But there are plenty of teams that really only have zero or one solid, solid edge rushers. And Daniel Hunter is absolutely still one of the best in the league. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And and I'll say, I think the place I'd like him to go, or I think would be a fun fit for him, um, is the team I'm going to go with next. And Ooh. that's the Denver Broncos. Mm. Uh, so when we look at the edge there, uh, Baron Browning, Jonathan Cooper, now Frank Clark, uh, possibly Drew Sanders, based on what we've seen in Arkansas. Um, you know, Randy Gregory, assuming health, should be locked in um, on one edge. But who uh, who's going to win out on the other side? Uh, you know, Baron Browning uh, converted. You know, off ball linebacker had some big flashes. Uh, he had one game where he produced like ten pressures against the Colts. Like he was just destroying that right tackle all day, every single play. Um, you know, Frank Clark is not not a real fan favorite around here at the IDP show um, overall. But uh, and again, Drew Sanders. Like, is this a Micah Parsons thing? Off ball linebacker where they see he's got ability to rush, or they just want to try to get some value there we'll see so um but that ambiguity you know allows you to go ahead and buy that and and the frank clark signing can lower values of others or you know maybe people don't see value in them still again ambiguity leads to value if we can figure it out here before anyone else um then at the linebacker spot we talked about drew sanders um you know there's josie jewel and alex singleton both look to be the primary starting but uh you know, with Drew Sanders in the wing and his ability to kind of play at different spots on the field, that versatility could definitely buy him some snaps, um, which is going to lead to obviously the devaluing of whoever's in that second linebacker role there. Um, and again, that's where we just want to understand what these teams are doing. Um, and so with that, I'm taking the Denver Broncos with or without Daniil Hunter. Yeah, I like that. I think I think that team's doing some good things. I think Sean Payton is, is out here trying to make some splash plays, so that should be exciting for them. Um, I'll also note safety. Like, Justin Simmons is locked in. I believe Kareem Jackson is also locked in, but I don't necessarily yep. know if the market reflects that. So, I mean, it depends on how deep your league is. You probably don't want to roster him, but he should play every snap. So, if yeah, that's re- re- cool. Redraft, you need to be looking at Kareem Jackson. I think he still has plenty of value in, in that. I mean, assuming depth of your, your league, right? You're starting three two or three safeties but um yeah i don't yeah i agree with you i don't think the market shows that just yet you know all the caden stern shares all my jl skinner love um leading up to that that him resigning is is disappointing but for for dynasty we'll look we'll look to next year then for some of those guys every time i check my dynasty planet best ball exposure there's just another player that's at the top of the list that i just wish wasn't there caden stearns is the newest addition to that list Joining Reed Blankenship and Terrell Bernard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Anywho, uh, as, as speaking of value, like we were talking about earlier, there are not very many teams where the linebacker one position is theoretically up for grabs. And the Cleveland Browns, that is absolutely the case. They have Anthony Walker. They have Jacob Phillips. Obviously, Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo is the guy that I think takes the job. But the fact that I have to even clarify that says something. Because Anthony Walker started off the season last year with the blue dot with JOK playing majority of snaps, but still a part-time role aside from him. 
And then Anthony Walker got hurt, so Jacob Phillips came in. And then Jacob Phillips got hurt, so Sion Takitaki came in. And then JOK got hurt, so Deion Jones came in. And then Deion Jones got hurt, so uh, somebody else came in. I actually thought I was going to be able to remember all these off the dome. You can imagine pretty- how miserable it was for me trying to project this week to week. There were two other guys. There were two other guys that that also saw playing time. One guy is like Jordan Kunazik or something. I'm pretty sure I couldn't even remember how to say his name. And then there was another guy who people are still drafting in best ball for some reason, whose name I also don't remember. I really I shouldn't be spending time trying to figure this out. The point is, somebody is going to end up being a starter and playing a vast majority of snaps for that team. And the fact that the market does not reflect Jeremiah Wusukormoa or especially Anthony Walker as the guy means that you can get some value on it. Okay, I'm here. Tony Fields. That's another guy that people were hoping for. Uh, yeah, Jordan Kunajic. Anyways. That, that one's yeah. above me, man. <laughs> a bunch of guys. A bunch of guys were thrust into the limelight last year because they had so many injuries. Assuming health, they're going to go back to putting, number one, talented people on the field, and number two, put them on the field for a consistent and high-volume amount of snaps. And if you can lock up whoever that guy is, or even if there's two guys, great. That's going to help you win your leagues. Nice. I I am on board. Uh, but then the next team that I want to get on board with uh, is the New York Giants. Mm. So the New York Giants don't have really any ambiguity up front. You know, we, we love to obviously find um, any value we can along the, the defensive line, but that front four is pretty much locked in place. But it's because of that front four that I think there's going to be some good value for LB2 uh, with the New York Giants. Obviously, Okereke, clearly the number one. But after that, uh, Micah McFadden, Darian Beavers, you know, second-year guys uh, who didn't really look too good, especially PFF grade-wise last year. Um, and Gerard Davis, um, just, uh, yeah, that's, that's, he's still in the league. So with that said, that, that's a pretty dirty room to, to try and find some value. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's definitely to be had there. Uh, they're going to more than likely roll out another linebacker. Um, you know, they let Julian Love go who they were using pretty heavily up in the box. You know, I think McKinney will still get some of those looks, but, um, I just don't think they have the personnel to not have one of those guys be, be there. Um, so for right now, really pay attention to that the camp battle to see who can, uh, you know, play alongside Okereke and behind that that fearsome front four. Uh, and then speaking of McKinney being locked in as a safety, it's you know who's that other safety playing alongside him? You know, Dane Dane Belton uh, showed out a little bit at the end of last year with some injuries uh, coming through. Uh, Jason uh, Pinnock and Nick McLeod. So um, it's it's tough to say who's going to be there. I think early projections lean towards Panak, but I you know I I didn't I didn't personally see enough from him on the field to feel confident to plant my flag on that, and and that's just from one humble football fan's opinion. So again, pay attention, see who's doing what in camp, who's getting used where. You know if these are all just deep safety roles that someone's going to win out because McKinney's just living inside the box, um, uh, you know. Maybe not that great of one to really even go after, but you know, deeper rosters, you definitely need to to understand and know that. So, yeah, and and, and uh, Bobby McCain is there too. I I think he's probably. I don't even like. He'll, 
he'll he'll probably take a lot of the the slot snaps i'm guessing um or be a mix of that where it's kind of a rotational thing you know he'll get 300 snaps there and then he'll get a couple hundred deep like um just just gross value most most likely in my opinion Mm -hmm. but he's worth mentioning because i think technically he classifies as a safety in most platforms yes and he's going to get snaps at the end of the day that's that is the number one most predictive metric. How many snaps do you play correlates more highly to how many points you score than literally anything else. So just putting that out there. Playing snaps is important. Uh, I'm going to pick the Green Bay Packers. Got the Jets Aaron Rodgers jersey hanging behind me, but uh, I got to go with Green Bay, especially because we just talked about a different New York team. But Green Bay Packers, there's two specific situations here that require a little bit of clarifying. I was going to say eludication. Is that a word? Does that word exist? And does it mean what I think it means? Stick around for next week after I find a dictionary. Um, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness. Those two guys are playing on the edge. They are currently healthy. Rashawn Gary is not healthy right now. He's coming off an ACL tear. But when he was healthy, he was absolutely locked in as their number one edge rusher. Preston Smith is kind of old. Lucas Van Ness is a rookie. Will there be a changing of the guard? Maybe. It'll happen eventually. But the question is, at what point will it happen? After the season? Sometime during the season? Sometime before the season? Or are they both going to play and Rashawn Gary is just going to sit out for a while? I think we're going to get some clarity on the situation during offseason reports as we hear about Rashawn Gary's recovery, what his timetable to return looks like, and in the meantime... Hopefully we get to see whether or not Preston Smith or Lucas Van Ness is going to step into a greater role. Also, safety. They have literally nobody. Darnell Savage got benched last season for being bad. Guess who their best, quote-unquote, best safety is on the roster? Oh, Darnell Savage. So, yes, they brought in Jonathan Owens. Yes, they drafted Anthony Johnson. Yes, Rudy Ford is a special teamer who is also on the team and probably going to be the other starter. But, like, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. (laughs) Uh, But somebody's going to play snaps. In fact, two of those four players that I listed are probably going to be every down players. And they're going to fall into points. And I think that's worth mentioning. Sad but true. Sad but true. Uh, Moving on, I'm going to go with uh, another uh, 90s rival of the Packers. I don't even know if you were born then yet. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they used to be good in the 90s. You probably don't remember that. I don't. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I don't uh, even but... remember, like, mid-teens. I didn't start playing <laughs> paying attention to football until, like, 2018. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I still love you, Evan. Um, <laughs> but the Cowboys, um, looking at linebacker, LVE, um, you know, a nice turnaround from him in his career overall, right? Like, some serious injuries. Didn't really know if he'd continue playing, um, but now he's clearly – the lead guy in that linebacker room, but you know, they got Damone Clark from last year, Jabril Cox from last year, um, and DeMarvian Overshown from this this year, uh rookie coming in. Really wide open and I think an, an opinion to who can be that LB two alongside of L V E. Um and you know, with that said, if they find a guy who can be a second every down linebacker alongside him or close to that, does that impact the safety room? Because there they have Donovan Wilson, J. Ron Curse, and Willie Cooker. Um, all who played significant snaps last year. Um, and I think Curse even at time wore the green dot last year, and there's talks about him wearing it again this year. So 
likely he's the lead guy in terms of snaps, but you know, again, what does a second linebacker do to that rotation if they find a guy to bring in there? So kind of a, just something you want to pay close attention to. I think very likely all three are still very relevant for IDP and snap counts. Um, but just keep uh, keep the ear to the ground and see what happens in that safety room in Dallas. Last year, technically, Anthony Barr held this role. And while he wasn't super great, he had a couple weeks here and there where he saw some work, especially when he was filling in for LVE. Uh, but I have to imagine that one of these guys is going to see enough work that they are going to have fantasy relevant weeks. So it's definitely important to know who that person is going to be. Um, Let's see here. I'm going to find some value here for the listeners. And while this isn't necessarily a flashy pick, I do still believe that the market reflects ambiguity. And so the team I'm picking is the Houston Texans. Your Houston Texans, Nick. <laughs> Your Houston Texans. And the reason I'm picking them is because their linebacker room is, I mean, yeah, it's it's like, you know, poop. But it's also somewhat ambiguous. Denzel Perryman was brought in as a free agent signing. Christian Harris was drafted last season and after returning from injury, played every single snap. Christian Kirksey played just about every single snap last year as their primary linebacker. Henry To'o To'o crushed it. Henry To'o To'o, name so nice he said it twice, was drafted this year. Two of those players should see an extremely productive linebacker role. The current projections are Denzel Perryman and Christian Harris. But only Christian Harris is being valued like a locked-in starting linebacker. Denzel Perryman, depending on who you ask, is still somewhat undervalued. Now, if you ask Adam, good luck. <laughs> if you ask someone who's a little less plugged in, who's like, aw, Denzel Perryman landed with the Texans. Bro, now he's sitting behind Christian Kirksey and Christian Harris. That sucks. Great. Go trade for him. But ten, uh, Henry Toto is also there. I, I don't really think he's going to get much work unless he's more of a handcuff and, you know, everything's possible. I, I think, actually, okay, I'm sidebar. I think this is good game theory advice. Running backs have handcuffs, right? Linebackers have handcuffs too. Uh, a good example of a running back handcuff, Alexander Madison. Psych, he's a starter now. But in the past, <laughs> he was a great handcuff for Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook would get a crap ton of work if Dalvin Cook ever got injured, Alexander Madison would come in, get the same work, and be valuable as a short-term rental. The same thing exists for linebackers. But not every situation is the same, right? You don't necessarily want the handcuff for insert kind of stinky, lame running back situation here. Uh, I can't even think of one off the dome. A handcuff for... Doesn't matter. I, I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the episode, so I might as well go through now. Who's a bad handcuff situation? I'm going to look at all the teams right now. How about uh, the Buffalo Bills? Sure. Something like that. If, you know, last season, I guess it was Zach Moss for a period of time, but like now it's Devin Singletary or formerly was Devin Singletary. Whatever. The point is like if one of those guys got injured, Getting the healthy replacement back up wasn't necessarily great because they weren't going to see fantastic usage. And I think the same thing also exists at some instances for linebackers. Some teams just don't use linebackers good. They don't use them good. 
Other teams use them great. 49ers, great. Now, from the former 49ers coaching staff, the Texans, great. And so if you can get a guy that's going to come in as an injury replacement, he's going to step into a fantastic role. And so even if Henry To'o To'o or Christian Kirksey don't start, if somebody gets hurt, they're going to come into a fantastic role. That was so long-winded and unnecessarily. But I've made my point. I think I think a perfect way to to encapsulate it, right, is to put the names with it. Look at two years or three years ago when Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw were both hurt. Aziz Alshair, no, that was on no one's radar except maybe some you know Niners fans or those really plugged in people. Um, but he came in and immediately delivered IDP value. Um, I think it was late in the season too, in in, in in some cases. And I mean that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Like having would having had that handcuffed ahead of time or staying plugged in to know that. That was a huge win there, um, and you know that's what you're. That's what I think. That's what you're trying to get to. So, yeah. Or even last season, uh, we had Jeopardy music plays because I just forgot his name. The guy with the Colts, you know who I'm talking about. Zaire Franklin. Thank you. That guy came in as okay. I think that qualifies as an injury replacement because like some people were expecting Shaq Leonard to start alongside Bobby yeah. Okereke. Oh yeah. All right. Cool. Point made. Let's move on to the next team. All right. And we're moving on to the city of sin with the Lost Vegas Raiders. More like Lost Vegas. I don't know this team. I'm I'm really curious to see how this defense as a whole looks this year. But uh, regardless, they have of a quarterback how, at all? <laughs> right, that too. Um, Brian Hoyer for MVP. Um, but I I just you know Mad Max is obviously amazing. Max Crosby, no no question there. Uh, but Chandler Jones. Um, lost at times last year in terms of IDP value or even NFL value. Tyree Wilson, obviously huge pedigree, huge draft capital, big, big uh, upside swing there with them drafting him. Could he just be someone they're, they're plugging in immediately? Does he sit behind Chandler? You know, great, great two guys to learn behind in terms of professional, you know, NFL aspect to it. But for IDP, we want who's on the field and could be Tyree over Chandler quicker than we think. Uh, then D- Divine Diablo um, reports already that he's locked in as the green dot, the the, the primary out there for LB1. Uh, Robert Spillane looks like he's kind of leading the way for two. Uh, but Luke Masterson and Darian Butler, just some other names to consider. Masterson was a was a waiver wire darling in the fantasy playoffs last year for IDP. Um, just, again, another one to kind of pay attention to for that linebacker two spot out in Las Vegas. Uh, and, and at the last level of the defense here at safety, Trayvon Merrig locked in clearly number one safety there, but Marcus Epps, Roder Teamer, a couple of veterans there, um, but Christopher Smith, uh, the second, was someone who I think in some IDP circles for rookies coming in was uh, fairly highly touted and thought you know could be a, a contributor year one. I, I nothing special in Marcus Epps in my opinion that couldn't you know hold off Christopher Smith the entirety of the year, um, but you know again. Who, who is going to be playing alongside Merrick? Stay plugged in, and we'll find out. I like it. All right, on to a team that's a little more exciting, in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills. And the reason I picked the Buffalo Bills is because there's one role in particular, a highly productive linebacker two role, that I believe is up for grabs. Terrell Edmonds is gone. Dorian Williams and... Did I write this? I think I wrote this, and I just wrote the wrong guy's name. Dorian Williams and uh, Terrell Bernard. It's Terrell Bernard, right? I'm not just being, yeah. you know, stupid. You're, you're I wrote just using, Terrell, right? 
you did. You did right, Terrell, right? Edmonds, I think your Tremaine Edmonds, right? Is who yeah, potentially So, no, that was you, Jake. You wrote me because yeah. you knew Actually, I, I did. Bills, and so you knew that I'd, I'd, I'd botch this. See, see what goes on behind the scenes here. This guy, he says nice things to my face, but is evil to me behind the scenes. Uh, Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, remember those names. One of those players will start. Every single week for someone's fantasy roster. Will we find out who it is by week one? I hope so. And personally, I really hope it's Troll Bernard because I have an ungodly high amount of best ball shares of him. But it's probably not going to be him. It's probably going to be Doreen Williams. Every time his name gets brought up, so does mine because of my association with him. Because I, what is it? The uh, Vietnam flashback memes just... I, I get PTSD because I'm so heartbroken because Terrell Bernard's probably not going to be the guy, but certain camp reports are talking about him making plays. So it could be him. That's it. One of those guys is going to be starting a linebacker. All right. We're getting, we're getting to some pretty gross stuff here. Mm-hmm. Um, shoot. I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and for me, I think the biggest thing here is, you know, they got Uchenna Nuoso, um, looks great. Looks awesome. You know, who's really kind of on the other edge outside there? You know, they've got some names. Darrell Taylor drafted Derek Hall kind of high. Boye Mafe is a second-year guy. Uh, Mike Morris is another late-round pick. Um, actually kind of a, a darling of mine. I'd, I'd love to see him succeed. Loved the, loved what he did in Michigan this last year. Um, but that that's, that's a lot of, lot of young, slightly proven, semi-proven talent that I couldn't even begin to tell you where to where to look here you know i think you know i think the closest thing is hey we're probably going to look at the veteran to lead the way and see where some of these other guys can slot in behind that and see if they can take the the job maybe later in the year but it's a long off season and a lot can happen especially when you know darrell taylor is that veteran we're talking about leading the way um outside of that you know there's uh the linebacker room kind of ambiguous in terms of you know is jordan brooks going to be back or not um, it all depends on where you land in terms of injury status type thing. Uh, but you know, if that's the case, Devin Bush might be someone that's getting a little slept on if you think that Jordan Brooks doesn't return in time. Um, so you can buy into that ambiguity if you want as well. Less of a camp battle, more injury news, but figured we'd call it out in regard to that. Uh, and lastly, at the safety spot, uh, Jamal Adams, Julian Love, Quandre Diggs. Diggs likely locked in because his role is less on challenges at deep safety role. Um, whereas Jamal Adams and Julian Love feel slightly redundant um, in terms of that box safety role. At least that's what where Julian Love thrived last year with the Giants. Um, Jamal Adams coming back after an injury, one of many it always feels like. But, you know, a lot of money invested in him. He's proven big talent at times, big playmaker. Heck, I think two years ago he even had one interception. Maybe his first one ever, I think it was, was the kind of the big joke. But yeah, I know well, he dropped well, a couple. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. All jokes aside, I mean, Adams is an IDP darling uh, when out on the field and delivering. So, um, you know, between Adams and Love, which one's going to get the valuable location? Maybe they have a heavy three um, safety rotation, and it doesn't matter about Jordan Brooks or Devin Bush. It's Bobby Wagner and, and you know, Adams or Love next to him. I don't know. Um, not really sure what they're doing yet. They got a coaching change there, too, in the defensive side of things. So really, really good one to pay attention to and see how they want to deploy that that defensive secondary. All right, my team. I'm going something a little bit off-brand for me. Ideally, I never talk about this team. But somebody has to, and I'll take one for the team. 
It's going to be the New England Patriots. Simply because there's just... I, their defense is just a big pile of mush, which is kind of the point. That's why they're good. That's what Bill Belichick wants. He wants you to look at their defense and be like, what? What? What is this? What's going on? Uh, and that's how I feel about this team. All I know is they drafted Marty Mapu, and he profiles as a kind of player who's kind of like a linebacker safety hybrid that could be pretty valuable. Um, and I, I mean, there is value and ambiguity, and because it looks like eh, what uh, there's going to be a lot of players on that team that aren't being reflected by what they will produce based upon their current market value. So just, you know, stay tuned with the camp reports. Figure out what their their roster looks like, their depth chart, who's going to see the most snaps because people are going to score points inconsistently, but maybe this is more of a best ball target team. I like that. Um, speaking of teams that might have good best ball targets, I'm going to go with the, the Philadelphia Eagles here. Um, their defensive line was hyper, like all caps, hyper efficient last year uh, in terms of what they produced and then the amount of snaps that they did it. Um, and what did they do? They absolutely reloaded in terms of talent um, and are ready to most likely do that again. Now, betting on the, you know an outlier season occurring again, you know nearly 70 sacks in a season type thing, not always the safest bet, but in terms of you know still finding value there, I think that that most certainly does exist. You know the question is is who maybe can you figure out is going to be more of the lead guys there? And kind of key in on that, find yourself maybe a little bit of an edge. But, uh, yeah, that defensive line should still bring plenty of value. Um, just got to align it as well you can with the snaps. Uh, then moving to the back half of the defense, because linebackers pretty well locked in for the most part between N'Kobe Dean and Nick Morrow. Um, but safety, we have Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown, and Reed Blankenship. Um, while Reed was a fantasy darling last year, and prior to the draft was definitely a favorite um, to see some of the lead snaps for the safety position with the Eagles. Um, Sidney Brown, who is an IDP favorite uh, among many, uh, potentially even safety one uh, among all rookies this year, uh, probably going to do some damage to those Reed Blankenship shares or believers. Um, and Edmonds is someone who, uh, high draft capital, didn't always deliver a ton in Pittsburgh, but always find a, found a way to be very relevant and, and playing uh, plenty of snaps as well. So um, pay close attention to that if, you know, Reed Blankenship can overcome the the Canadian sensation, Sidney Brown. Uh, but, you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. Uh, I think that my unreasonably high exposure to Reed Blankenship is enough to be considered a sin and the only way that I have been able to pay penance for that sin is by drafting Sidney Brown in every single best ball draft since the NFL draft has happened, which I'm pretty sure has happened. So just putting that out there, I'm full on team Sidney Brown. Um, the next team I'm going for here is kind of interesting in that both of the players in the camp battle are going to be valuable this season. But the market doesn't seem to reflect that simply because they're not sure who's going to see a better role. And that's the Washington Commanders linebacker situation. Jamin Davis, he's still around. I think he's going into his third year. Uh, and Cody Barton they brought in from Seattle. Now, Seattle would, couldn't have been happier to let him go, I'm sure, because he didn't do great for them when they really needed him to. When Jordan Brooks got down, 
Uh, when Jordan Brooks got injured, Cody Barton stepped into that full-time role. And like literally every single week, his snap share just went lower and lower and lower and lower because Ryan Neal was like, uh, I, everything you can do, I can do better. And so he did. Uh, and then they, they let Ryan Neal go too, but that's only because they had so many other safeties. Uh, all that to say, uh, going back to Cody Barton and Jimmy Davis, one of those guys is going to basically play every single snap, and the other guy is going to play a solid portion of snaps, uh, but their draft capital does not reflect that. If I sort by team on the best ball doc as it loads and then scroll down to Washington, what I'll find is that Jamin Davis is going as linebacker. Actually, how about this? We're going to play a game, Jake. Which linebacker do you think Jamin Davis is going as? Just give me a number. The average of across all best balls? Yep. 34. Okay, and then how about Cody Barton? What do you think? 48. That was actually a pretty decent guess. Jamin Davis is going as linebacker 40. Cody Barton is going as 45. That's way too close for me. Yeah. This I should be closer like, to what I said because I'm always yes. right. I, I mean, number one, yes, you are. Number two, yes, you are. <laughs> I think that yeah, that's... was grammatically correct. It should be. Yes, it should. Yes, you are. There we go. Because, yeah, yeah I, I really do think that Jamin Davis has this locked up. I think Cody Barton's going to be the former Jamin Davis, and he's just going to play a situational role. I will also note really quick, do you have a comment on the linebacker situation before I cut you off? No, I, I, again, just rehashing or, or restating that that's really gross how close they are and and I and uh, ADP value right now. That should that should not be the case in my opinion. Yes, Fry From- Jameen Davis. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Uh, apparently, there's reports going around that Chase Young is being floated in trade offers. If that is the case, KJ Henry, rookie, could be replacing him theoretically speaking. So just keep an eye on that. I guess that qualifies as a camp report because it's a report and it's happening during camp. So therefore, it's a camp report. Science. You just got scienced. Yep. Um, He says with the Aaron Rodgers jersey behind him. (laughs) (laughs) Go go to a darkness retreat to figure out. So yeah, if I went to a darkness retreat and I came out of that for my next team, it would clearly be, in my mind, the Baltimore Ravens. Mm -hmm. Um, And with that, to me, it's it's Odafe Owe and David Ojabo at the edge for me that are, is really interesting. Um, I think what happens at times, right, is Ojabo, during that draft cycle, not this current year, but the previous one, um, he was starting to gain, like, first-round buzz. And I think that that falls out of people's minds, especially, you know, having suffered the injury that he did that cost him his season. Um, you know, Owe is someone who is had the, the ability to play a couple of years now um, and show progress um, across those years. So probably people leaning, oh, always should be the one kind of uh, coming in right away. But Ojabo looked really, really good. And there was a reason that he was gaining that first round draft capital type buzz. And I I don't think it's a lock to say that always uh, uh, set as the one of those uh, lead outside edge rushers. Um then moving back to off-ball linebacker, um, you know, we have Roquan Smith, obviously, with the big contract locked in as the number one, um, and for good reason. But Patrick Queen uh, and Trenton Simpson, really, who can be the number two alongside this? And, and I, I think it's been kind of hashed out ad nauseum at times. Um, you know, Queen 
has shown flashes at times, but he's also given plenty of reason why um, and show, or shown struggles on the field. Um, and most recently, you can see those struggles highlighted in the Madden uh, 24 release video where Josh Allen absolutely steals his soul and rips his heart out. Um, uh, wrong game. I think you're watching uh, <laughs> a little bit of a different game there. Finish him. Fatality. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, but in all seriousness, I mean, I, I don't know that Patrick Queen is, is long for, for the Ravens. So do they get the young guy in there and um, earlier... Uh, sooner rather than later and you know and then we go to the back part of that second of the defense and that's pretty well locked and i don't think we have any uh any room for wiggle there so really it's just queen simpson who's replacing marcus peters go that doesn't matter yeah who cares (laughs) i will also say though talking about the edge rushers again uh i guess technically speaking camp reports reports that happen during camp could also be a hype piece and I feel like, like you're talking about with David Ojabo, high pieces, man, like no news, now news. And that news is almost always going to be positive because it literally always is. Boom, David Ojabo, value up arrow. There we go. Pretty simple. Um, Let's, uh, dude, let's, let's do the Chicago Bears because they're one of the teams that remain. That's the reason. Uh, the Chicago Bears, the reason I actually, I, I picked them for a reason. The reason I like them is because, again, talking about the market not reflecting the value of a player, that player is Demarcus Walker. I think he is the perfect example of somebody who is just a screaming value because he went from the Titans, now he landed in a barren wasteland known as Chicago, Illinois, only because of their defensive line being devoid of talent until he came in. He's going to see a crap ton of snaps. I talk about him basically every single episode now of the after show, so I don't really need to rehash that point. But opposite him, one of Rasheem Green or Travis Gibson is going to see a lot of work. Rasheem Green, formerly of Houston and Buffalo fame, I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. It seemed like you're about to agree with me there, so I will go with that. Travis Gibson, a former Twitter darling who had absolutely no merit to be a former Twitter darling. Shout out Tom Kislingbury. Uh, He and I see eye to eye on that one. I don't know why people are so excited about him, but he saw some volume and he did not produce with it. So this team brought in Demarcus Walker and they brought in Rasheem Green. I think they brought them in to start. Also defensive tackle. Justin Jones is there as a starter, but Andrew Billings versus the rookie they brought in, Zach, spelled incorrectly, Z-A-C-C-H, Pickens. I need to find this boy's parents. Zach Pickens. Uh, that was so out of pocket. But one of those two guys is going to start at defensive tackle next to Justin Jones. That's going to be some value in defensive tackle leagues. So just something worth calling out as we're reaching the end of this draft and realizing that there are some ambiguous positions that it's honestly, I don't care if we figure them out. That's it. That's the end. Awesome. Well, well from one ambiguous situation to one that's probably not super ambiguous but there's a little bit so let's pay attention and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars uh linebacker Foyer um clearly locked in as as number one uh Devin Lloyd we assumed uh was number two but we did see last year at one point he did get pulled um in favor of another rookie in Chad Muma who actually was fairly productive um especially from an IDP standpoint in those couple weeks where he got a chance to start um you know, Lloyd got the job back, played in the playoffs, 
I, I don't think that Muma is going to come and take this over in the offseason. Very unlikely. But, I mean, I don't think anyone expected Muma to be starting whatever weeks 13 and 14 either randomly last year. Um, so just something to to continue to keep an eye peeled for. Uh, and then safety, uh, Rayshon Jenkins, you know, kind of locked in, I think, to that box role, especially based on salary. But he did, he did have a pretty strong year last year overall, at least statistically, um, and for IDP. And then Andre Sisko. Um, another one uh, who had a good year statistically for them, but I don't I don't know that a seventh round rookie in Antonio Johnson is going to have what it takes to to unseat him. But Cisco really didn't do anything super special in terms of the NFL either that I think is going to keep him locked into that position or wouldn't give them that coaching staff you know the time to say hey if this rookie's showing us something maybe we maybe we got to go with him um, again. Pretty locked in situations for the most part, but if we if we want to listen for some whispers to come across the wire, Antonio Johnson and Chad Momoa are the ones we want to be paying attention for. Yeah, or even just like who else is going to be there rotating in on the def- defensive line alongside Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. Oh my gosh. You know, you can recall only- players' names off the dome anytime you want, except for when you're recording a podcast. This is correct, but he's he's relatively obscure as the number one overall pick two years yeah, ago. Yeah, relatively obscure, relatively obscure. Uh, I mean, there's going to be players that receive valuable snaps on the interior of that defensive line, so uh, just listening to reports there. I'm choosing between two teams here. One team has a lot of guys vying for a couple spots, and none of them are incredibly exciting, and then there's another team that has a couple incredibly exciting players vying for one spot. I'm going to talk about that team because the way I'm hyping it up makes it sound like I ought to. Carolina Panthers. Dude, I mean, Jeremy Chin is one of the most valued, not valuable necessarily, one of the most valued safeties in all of fantasy football. And joining him is a pretty talented box safety in Von Bell in a room that also includes Xavier Woods, who I believe is perennially underrated probably for a good reason because i'm drafting so many shares of him probably means i should stop doing that i don't know how they're going to use the safety room Uh, i think they have a new defensive coordinator this year they almost certainly do and i've forgotten who it is so i'll look that up and get back to you about it but uh jeremy chin von bell xavier woods there's going to be a valuable role in this defense i don't know if all three of these guys are going to see work but there's a very real chance that Jeremy Chin shifts from a highly productive role into one that doesn't score him quite as many points as he's seen in the past. And maybe Von Bell actually is the one that takes over that role, if it even exists. Or maybe neither of those guys see a valuable role. What if this is a too-high-shell defense? What if none of these safeties are good? I That's probably not going to happen because most coaches know what kind of talents their players have and use them in that way. But I'm just putting it out there like we're going to need to learn some things from camp and there are three players here that all have a chance of being way better or way worse than their current draft position. Love it. I love it. Uh, Ijiro Evero, is that the defensive coordinator? Yeah, former Broncos. Former Broncos defensive coordinator, if I remember correctly. And that team actually did use two safeties high at a pretty high rate. So, Correct. Hmm. And the and also, fun Evero fact, he was offered the interim head coaching gig uh, in Denver and actually said no to it. Yeah, I don't blame so, the guy. I think that just shows you how good that team was last year, or at least that situation was. Um, 
I'm going to go with one where I don't, I normally wouldn't pick this, especially because like the Panthers were one of them where I'm like, it's, it's really only the secondary. Um, that's kind of ambiguous a bit. And so I'm not a big fan of going with that, but I'm going to, because I love one of the guys in here as a rookie and that's the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Talanoa Hufanga clearly, um, showed us last year how, how and why he can be valuable on the NFL field as well as for IDP. Um, but really it's, it's who's that other safety alongside of him, or potentially maybe even a third safety. Um, and with Sean Gibson, the veteran on a one-year deal, uh, seemingly locked in place alongside of Ufanga, does a George Odom or my fantasy rookie darling, Jair Brown, uh, come in and find a way to be um, taking primary snaps as the second safety, or maybe at the very least as that third safety uh, rotating in and down closer to the line of scrimmage at times for him. Um, for this year, I think it's pretty solid that Gibson's kind of kind of lead the way. Um, with Brown working his way in and hopefully earning more snaps throughout. I think Odom's more of a depth piece, but let's see how that plays out. Early buzz is Brown's Brown's looking good, and he's playing his way onto the field in some form or fashion, but early early offseason hype pieces don't always pan out. Um, regardless, like you said before, any news is good news because it's at least trending in the right direction. And so for that, we need to pay attention to the safety room in San Francisco. I love Jair Brown. I've been drafting a ton of him. I've also been drafting another rookie defensive back who I should have talked about earlier in Jartavius Martin of the Washington Commanders. He's probably going to replace uh, Bobby, whatever his name is. I I literally talked about it earlier and I forgot. Bobby McCain. Thank you. I have it right here, so I could have I could have saved myself, but you got me. So thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, him, Derek Forrest, Cameron Curl. Three guys that are all going to be used differently, but also maybe potentially valuably. I don't know if we're going to be able to discern that simply from camp reports, but it's worth noting that uh, that's a situation. Okay, the other team I was choosing between this team and the Carolina Panthers, I'm going to go ahead and take them now with the Indianapolis Colts, simply because I believe there are a couple situations that we could benefit from having greater understanding of. Firstly, their defensive line. Quiddy Pay's locked in. They brought in Samson Ebukam. Dayo Odeningbo is a guy that, kind of like David Ojabo, was drafted off an injury, took a year to recover, and then worked his way back onto the field in his sophomore season. Now he is going into his junior season. Are we allowed to like use... I feel like if I said a senior season for a fourth-year player, that wouldn't fit. So I probably should stop using high school terms. He's going into his third year. I don't know if he's going to play above Samson Ebukam, but I also know that they brought in a rookie whose name I didn't write down, and I absolutely don't have it memorized because it's hard to say. But they brought in a rookie. Thank you. That guy. Uh, you actually did a pretty good job. Uh, credit where credit is due. You you kind of nailed that. So he Samson, was, He was a darling for me. I, I liked what I saw doing some film research on on him. So that's he stands out in my mind. Adetomawa Adabuari. All right, cool. All right, I, I'll give myself half credit for that because I heard it already. Sanson, Ebucam, Dayo, Odeningbo. Those are the two guys that we're choosing between. I will note that the leader in snaps for the defensive line for the Colts last season was, in fact, not Pay. It was the former edge that is now departed. Uh, What's his name again? Yannick Ngakwe. Ngakwe. Every time I think of him, all I can think about is Macri calling him Unique Ngakwe, which is a pretty unique way of saying his name. I will give him that. So, 
I think that there is a chance that you call me Jonathan Gannon. Finger guns. Oh, yeah. This podcast is fire. So one of those two guys, I think, could see a really high volume of snaps. Sure, it could be Pay, but someone else is going to see good work alongside him. On a really solid defensive line, honestly, DeForest Buckner, extremely underrated. Grover Stewart, like hella underrated, bro. The most underratedest of all the interior defensive linemen in the league, except for maybe Michael Hoyt. We could have this debate. We could just debate hot takes. Is that a hot take? I don't think that's a hot take. No, I don't think so. All right, cool. Uh, at linebacker, obviously, they have Shaquille Leonard, who may or may not be healthy. Next to him, they have the guy whose name I already forgot again because- Zaire Franklin. I didn't write it down. Thank you, Zaire Franklin, who is, I believe, locked in. But behind him, EJ Speed. Talk about a handcuff. That guy should be rostered in leagues deep enough where handcuff linebackers are rostered. So- if he's on waivers, go pick him up. Go pick his up. Pick yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna finish that sentence. <laughs> go pick him up. Finally, safety. Uh Rodney Thomas, Nick Scott, Nick Scott, Nick Cross, Daniel Scott. Hey, I combined two guys to create another guy. He's on the Bills. No. Is he on the Bills? Yeah, he's on the Bills. Nick Scott. Or am I no, thinking Nick, of Nick I'm Scott thinking of the, the other former Bengals. Yeah. So much is happening. Julian Blackman. <laughs> Julian Blackman is a free safety, so if he even secures a full-time role, he's going to be a free safety, and I don't think that's entirely valuable. If he doesn't have a full-time role, he's definitely not valuable. But I also believe there is a potentially extremely valuable full-time strong safety role that will be given to either Rodney Thomas or the sophomore, Nick Cross, who started off with the role last season but then lost it. But now they have a new defensive staff, so maybe they forgot that maybe he's not very good. So maybe they let him start again, maybe, hopefully. Don't look at my best ball exposure. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Definitely nothing to do with it. Not that I've drafted him almost everywhere. Um, so that's who I think is going to win the job, which means Rodney Thomas will be your starter in 2023. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm up next, and... This is the only team left to me that didn't feel super gross to talk about um, in terms of trying to find that ambiguity. And that's the the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, and Eric Kendricks, a veteran who's you know showed he can be IDP worthy last year, but maybe not so much NFL worthy, still very likely locked in um, as the, the green dot, the play caller. Um, maybe not green dot, that might be Derwin. But regardless, he'll be locked into LB1 type snaps. It's really who's number two alongside of him. Kenneth Murray has never really been in good favor with Brandon Staley and that, and that staff um, in his time there. And now they brought in Diane Henley this year, who is, um, I think, an, an IDP show favorite, as well as just, I think, a, a general IDP favorite in the rookie circles here. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do, especially as kind of an undersized guy, maybe playing on the weak side. Um, but I don't know. Young young guy coming in with a lot of athleticism and upside versus the you know the guy who has first round pedigree draft capital but has just never really been well well regarded in his own team's locker room it seems um, it'll be interesting to see which one of those two walks out kind of as the lead you know week one as well as the year moves on um, then you know moving back to the safety position I mean Derwin is Derwin he's the goat when it comes to IDP safeties in my opinion um, shout out John Macri. Uh, and then we got, you know, Alohi Gilman, JT Woods. And, and I like the little little note you added in here too. Like, 
it's pretty pretty gross there. So maybe this is somewhere where someone like a John Johnson the third uh, comes in off the street still yet. Um, plenty of off season, plenty of camp time uh, to bring someone in and get them up to speed. That especially a veteran that could easily supplant anyone there um, overall. But again, Derwin, we love him, but who's going to be you know carrying his water bottle alongside of him? I don't know. We'll find out. Not a yeah. lot of value, but there'll be there'll be some. Yeah, I mean, these we're on our last five teams now. So, I mean, if you've listened this far, you know the only reason you're here is because our chemistry is immaculate. Just, just so good. Uh, I don't want to do... Eh, all, all right, I'll wait one more round. I can get away with that. Can I? Yeah. All right. There's a valuable linebacker two role up for grabs in Tennessee. It has been taken. It's gone. I... Sure, you can call it a camp battle. The, the battle's it was done before it started, but we can still pretend that Jack Gibbons and Ben Neiman have a chance to supplant Monty Rice. Granted, none of those three players, I think, are really any good. So, like, maybe this is a Rashawn Evans landing spot. Maybe this is a Jayon Brown landing spot. Why is it that both of these linebackers are former Tennessee Titans potentially coming home to take a starting job again? I don't know. The fact is, behind Aziz Alshire, one of these three players currently projects to see a very valuable allotment of starting snaps. Monty Rice, I believe, is in the lead for that role. And the reason that I believe that is because this is the same coaching staff as last year. And last year, they played Monty Rice over Jack Gibbons and Ben Neiman. So I would assume they would continue doing that. But I also know that this coaching staff knows that Monty Rice, Jack Gibbons, and Ben Neiman are not great linebackers that you want to rely on on a weekly basis. So... They'll probably bring someone else in. But as it stands, that's what it looks like. DB is pretty sorted. Uh, Kevin Byard, Amani Hooker, those guys are pretty set in. They've got good corners. Defensive lines, Rashad Weaver, and the returning Harold Landry. I don't really think any of that's super ambiguous. Uh, they have Arden Key there as well. I, it's not really exciting. There's not really a lot of value because I don't expect it to be super productive. And the guys that we are pretty confident in are actually going really high. Harold Landry could probably go a little higher, but the injury dip is uh, it's being reflected in his ADP, and I think that's respectful. I probably wouldn't take him too much higher than where he's going. So that's that's it for the Tennessee Titans. Just worth noting how it stands at the moment. All right. Well, I, I, I'm disappointed because I was planning on taking them next. Uh, but since you did, um, I'm going to go with the New York Jets. Um, that defensive line, um, you know, we talked about the Eagles having – this massive rotation, um, but they have a massive rotation of talent that's both exciting and proven. I think the New York Jets have a massive rotation that is exciting and semi-proven in some cases. Um, so it's something where I'm probably staying away from it in its entirety. But if there is, you know, someone that's going to pop out, you know, uh, well, there's Quinn and Williams, right? So I mean, I'm, I guess I'm thinking more edge specifically, but you know, Quinn and Williams is obviously someone you're you're taking and, and playing every week. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I, I really don't have a clue who's going to kind of be the next IDP uh, stud, if any, to come out of there. So if you, again, this is where if we can get a, a understanding of, hey, Jermaine Johnson's going to be, you know, a 70 to 80% snap guy all of a sudden this year. Well, great. Now we got a lead on that, right? And that's that's where we're going to find that value that we're talking about. But, um, yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of names, a lot of, lot of players there to keep track of. Uh, then, you know, linebackers pretty well set with Mosley and Williams, Quincy Williams, uh, Quinnen's brother, you know, fun story there. Uh, and then safety, not 
too much here either. It looks like, you know, Jordan Whitehead and probably Chuck Clark um, will lock in as, as the two safeties there. Um, seem maybe slightly redundant a bit, but, you know, uh, Sala seems to find a way to get the most out of his players and, and utilize their talents. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing he'll get them in the right spots, but those are probably the main two to really just key in at this point. I don't know that we have anyone else we're overly concerned or considering in terms of a camp battle. Is it finally Ashton Davis season? No, no, it's not. I'll also note, like we talked about earlier, good defensive lines, and make no mistake, the New York Jet, the New York Jets defensive line is is very good, one of the best in the league. They produce for everyone. Everybody eats. And somebody is going to play alongside Quinton Williams on the interior, and it's looking like maybe Quinton Jefferson, maybe Solomon Thomas. Just keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens there. That's more of like a defensive tackle required league, like a depth play at that. If you're looking for like a DT2, he could be somebody in contention for a streaming, potentially earning a full-time starting role on your fantasy team. You know, if you're in like one of those stupid 32-team leagues. And I know they exist because I have a couple Twitter DMers. Is that a word? Yeah, this guy right here too. I'm going to point to your face. Right. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. This is an audio podcast, by the way. I'm I'm messing with the video that nobody's going to see. Um, all right. I, the next team I'm picking here, I think I finished my thought there. Basically, Solomon Thomas or Quentin Jefferson could be a streaming option in deep DT leagues alongside Quentin. Whatever, Quentin Williams. All right. I don't want this next team I'm picking to be last because of my personal connections to them. So I'm taking them now. Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go, baby. Uh, I think the most important camp news that I want to see from this team is the status of Calvin Austin, their wide receiver, because I want him to be good. That being said, this is an IDP podcast. So the only rule that's really up for grabs is their strong safety rule, which theoretically is going to be productive. I think, I don't remember if it was with you or if it was someone else who I put on the spot to try and guess who they're any any of their safeties outside of Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, but, listeners, you've had a chance to try and figure out who I'm talking about. I know you don't know. Maybe you do because you're smart because you've listened to this show, but DeMonte KZ, Keanu Neal, Miles Killebrew? I don't know. One of these guys, <laughs> one of these guys is going to be a starting strong safety for Pittsburgh as a Steelers fan. Does that give me hope? No. No, it does not. I don't really care, though, because I didn't really love Terrell Edmonds. Or is it Tremaine? No, it was Terrell. It wasn't Trey, that's for sure. It wasn't Terrell Edmonds. And uh, I don't I don't really think he was great. Some people defer. I like him on the Eagles as a fantasy asset, that point aside. Uh, so one of these guys is going to score points for your fantasy team, and I think uh, we should probably have the answer by the time camp reports come out. Well... You got to take your team. I didn't even get to take mine because you stole them from me, but I won't be bitter about that. Uh, with that said, uh, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the New Orleans Saints. It just feels the least grossiest to talk about. Um, so defensive line, you know, they've uh, Marcus Davenport uh, moved on. Um, you know, Peyton Turner um, really not panning out there. Um, you know, so it's Cam Jordan, Carl Granderson look, you know, pretty well set on the edge. Um, Isaiah Foskey was a, a second round pick, I believe, um, out of Notre Dame, you know, some, some good draft capital there. Um, 
I just, you know, I'm not, not really super excited about the, this team overall. Um, really it's the interior for me. I think I like Brian Brisset, the rookie. Um, he looked great at times, uh, on film. And I think him somehow surpassing Kalen Saunders or Nathan Shepard on the interior of that is probably the most likely camp battle that you'll want to pay attention to, to see if he progresses enough early on there to, to do that. Um, you know, starting week one, um, moving to the next level, it's pretty well a lock at Demario Davis, um, and Pete Werner. You know, Zach Bond will maybe make a little bit of noise, but probably not because he's been there three years now and just kind of a rotational depth piece. So, um, and really that lands us just, you know, at, hey, who's going to be playing corner? Because Marcus May and Tyron Matthew have the safety position locked down. Um, there's nothing really left there to consider. So, um, you know, Alante Taylor, Paul Adebo, Bradley Roby, um, you know, who plays on the outside alongside of them? Does one of them get, you know, pushed inside to the nickel slot role exclusively? Um, that's probably the one you'd find the most value with out of that group. Uh, probably Groby, I'm guessing. Um, obviously, Marshawn Lattimore is a lock to to start as one of the outside corners. So um, overall, not, not a lot there that's exciting in terms of actual value to be found. But, you know, we just talked about there's some pretty, pretty deep, leagues out there um so you you need to be able to figure some of these things out who's going to be that outside corner who's going to be that slot guy um and who can sneak through to be that second or third defensive tackle on your roster Uh, heck yeah (laughs) hashtag deep fantasy football (laughs) get in the comments i will also note with the pittsburgh steelers um their linebacker too guess whose name i forgot Landon Roberts, oh. I got it. I figured it out. Landon Roberts, uh, not so much to see if he's going to be the linebacker too, because like he's he's literally the only other guy on the roster, so he's going to be the linebacker too behind Cole Holcomb. More so, just to see how much faith they have in him. Like, do they see him as like, you know, a veteran leader on this team who they're going to give a solid amount of snaps to? Is he more just like a, you know, kind of a backup piece? That's like, oh yeah, you know, he's kind of there. He's going to you know play a nice part time role. And we're looking to bring in Rashawn Evans or somebody else that hopefully not uh, to, to fill that role instead. I, honestly, they can just leave Cody, not Cody Barton. They can leave uh, his predecessor, Cole Holcomb, on the field and just, you know, play one linebacker and run it. Well, they don't have any defensive backs either. So, like, what the heck is this defense going to do? Uh, Six-man fronts, you know. We're going to just put all the defensive line out there at the same time and have nobody in the secondary, at least their run defense wouldn't be as bad as it was last year. Listeners, props to you if you can remember who the final team is that has not yet been talked about, because that team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Honestly, a lot of things on this team are pretty figured out. The defensive line's pretty figured out. The linebackers are definitely figured out. The safeties are more or less figured out now that the news has come out that Antoine Winfield will be transitioning into a free safety role and Ryan Neal will take over the strong safety role. So by process of elimination, that leaves one role remaining that we don't know who it's going to fill. And that is the role vacated by Antoine Winfield, which is the slot corner role. There are a couple, I was going to say eligible bachelors worthy candidates, but like they, they're not that exciting. D Delaney, 
is a depth piece special teamer who filled in occasionally last year when literally everyone else on the roster was hurt. I'm talking like literally everyone else. He was like the third or fourth string guy. And then Zion McCollum, who they drafted last year and played actually a decent amount of snaps, um, but mostly on the outside. So is he the kind of player to switch a role into an inside quarter? I don't know, but he's at least a guy that's on the roster that they trust to give some snaps to. So one of these two guys, like, remember their names because you're going to see them on your waiver wire. You're going to see when you look at the weekly high scores, like they're going to show up there a couple times in the season. And so it's important to just know one of these two players is going to see some really solid snaps. That's yeah. it, man. Those we did it. Teams. Remember when I said this would be a 45-minute episode? Times two. Yeah, that was a really fun hour and a half ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, look, so much content. There'll be uh, there'll be an article about this whenever I write it <laughs> so that you can read it. Uh, but in the meantime, stay tuned to Camp Reports. Jake and I are on Twitter and that means that when we see these camp reports, we will tweet about them. And so I try and do my best. If I see some news that I feel like is actually relevant, and not just like, you know, smoke or just worthless hype, I'll retweet it, give a little bit of context. Hopefully you can see that, make some actionable information based upon that or, you know, transactions, if you will. But I, I have tweet notifications turned on for like literally everybody. It's kind of unhealthy. I have to turn off the drop-down banner for Twitter or whatever. I'm like watching a video or something. Otherwise, it's just always there because you just beep, beep, beep. Adam Schefter in Rappaport, Field Yates, Jake Colhagen, Jake Colhagen, Jake. Oh, sorry, that was a that was something else. Uh, so yeah, I'm on Twitter a lot. That's that's what I was getting at. Uh, closing thoughts on this episode so we can get the heck out of here, Jake. Uh, there's, there's a lot of names and it's a lot of teams, but that's what the off season is, man. If you're playing dynasty or you're you're that excited about redraft that you're digging in already whatever it is um this is this is the kind of stuff you sign up for um and like evan said you know just just stay plugged in you know you can you can listen to some of the feedback we'll provide you uh like we had some signings with the bills and you know we'll put little blurbs together throw them out there on twitter you know follow the idp show follow us whatever it is to kind of grab that um, or if you like to be the people who kind of just get a little bit of direction and go do your own digging and research, now you got the names, go, go, go plug into those beat reporters, try to find out what's going on. So whatever serves you best, we're here to help with that. And I hope, hope you guys, uh, find a little bit of help, um, with all the, the names and stuff we talked about tonight. So thank you guys for listening. If you listen this far in. I will say if you are one of those people, one of those sorry souls that decides to go and find the beat reporters and find the news for yourself. If you find anything, shoot me a message. I'll follow you back. We'll chat about it because uh, all news is good news. If, and all information is good information if I can find it. Uh, if you did you know, happen to find information, you can DM it to me on Twitter at IDPEvan. Or if you want to get in touch with Jake and tell him how beautiful and handsome and tremendously attractive he is, you can find him on Twitter at Jake Colhagen. This has been the IDP After Show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the next one because next week, you have me again. You cannot escape me. And uh, we're doing a division preview once again. So I'm really excited to get into that with DJ Keltown, the man, the myth, the legend, the writer of one of my favorite articles of all time, the best ball strategy win percentage article that has sparked uh, a lot of interesting conversations on the internet. 
And so I'm I'm really excited to get into that and, and chat, you know, chat football with David. So it's going to be a good time. Make sure you return next week to go listen to that episode. But until next time, peace out. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>